release show. 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 In the ghetto. Like auto tune that area. Show. Show. Baritone. Show. I need to like smoke a cigar before I do this just so I have like the. Ooh, the raspy. <laughs> the, the berry white. Show. That's as low as I can. That's as low as I can muster. Maybe I can dial in the massive pass a little bit here. But I guess if there's nothing down that low, then I mean, whatever. It's not gonna boost anything. Bring out our bass. We'll make the rumbles rumble. I'll make it rumble. Alright. <laughs> Making a note. I guess now. It, I guess this is kind of on par with the episode topic, I suppose. Ooh. My general goofing around. Anyway, friends, this is Matt. This is the Attack and Release Show. That's Sam Hi. of the Attack and Release Show, oh, my lovely wow. friend. And today we're going to be talking about genre-specific mastering techniques. Mm-hmm. Are we? Are, is anyone going to get tongue-tied with like specific and saying specific so many times? Specific. I specific. mean, I usually get tongue-tied in general. So you know, if you up up the ante here. With a tongue-tying type of word. Tongue-tying type of word. <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah. I've like... I'm Listening back to a... I think this is actually... In scheduling, I think this is episode 150. Oh my gosh. Because I... Is it? I, I believe so. And in listening back to... Yeah, we're at 149, so this will be 150. That's amazing. Um, listening back to all these episodes... I've kind of been like, you know, when you listen to yourself, you're like, man, I hate how my voice sounds. I used you probably, to. You probably love how you're. Yeah, now I'm like, ah, <laughs> crank <laughs> that it manly, up, Mike. Really, uh, that, that chain I got going on, man, boy, man, do I sound good? <laughs> do I sound relaxed? Do I <laughs> do I sound like I'm leaning back in my chair? Because I am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will notice times. Because, like, you know when you talk or you listen back to something, mm-hmm. say that, like, a podcast, and say you're re-listening to something, maybe trying to find a part or something like that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you're at a part that you've listened to, and then your brain is like, aha, this is where I was, and this yes. was my whole surroundings during this time. Yes. I'll have that, but, like, it'll be, like, listening to this, reviewing these podcasts, It'll be me realizing how far ahead of where my mouth is moving, my brain is currently residing. And so that's kind of how I go down my tangents and all this crazy stuff. Man. So while I might get tongue-tied, it's like I get I get like tongue-tied. I get confused because my brain's in another place, my mouth's trying to be like, yo, dude, you're from the South. You don't talk that quick. <laughs> like calm the brain down. Yeah. That's, Think a little slower. You are from the South. So, mm. genre specific mastering techniques. I think this will be a cool episode. Very but cool. Before this episode and before the five minute intro that y'all are just so, so lucky to, to have us, <laughs> why don't you take us in for a little bit of housekeeping? Maybe like, like park it for like, you know, like a good landing. Let's, let's bring this, let's bring this bring home. This, bring we haven't even started yet. Hello, yeah, my take friends. Some housekeeping. Welcome to housekeeping. Is this our first episode we've ever recorded? I think so. That's for sure. (laughs) Uh, Welcome to housekeeping. This is that unique, fun time that you get to screenshot this episode or past episode, post it on Instagram, tag for the record mastering, tag 
Moses Mastering, we will share it. We also get to talk to you one-on-one, which has been so much fun. We love that. And uh, also, we're going to ask that you subscribe to the podcast because that is helpful. That way, you'll get to, uh, you'll never miss an episode and you'll finish records faster, better, stronger. All of those things. All the things you want, we'll talk about. So, uh, yeah, screenshot, tag us, say hi, don't be a stranger. Uh, We love getting to know the community. And uh, that's housekeeping. Bye. (laughs) Episode over. Okay, bye. See y'all later. Cue the music. (laughs) Cueing. If you like the music, you heard in the background. All right. (laughs) All right. All right. Enough of that. Great. So, as far as this episode is concerned, Mm -hmm. do you, and let's, well, I guess we should do like in the box, out of the box, or should we just kind of like all combine it? Just combine. Let's just let's just combine. Yeah, I don't want to talk like okay. What's the percentage you're in the box versus out of the? I don't want to go no, down that I don't route. Either. I, I I don't want to do that. So, mm-hmm. how do you? Oh, hold on. Oh. Another disturbance. The Lacroix is coming and making me burp. Oh, gosh. <laughs> the Lacroix has has come up. So as far as like finding your tone, as far as like finding how do I want to like make this sound? Because at the mastering stage, you can really mess stuff up still. Correct. And you can really just turn something into some hot garbage. If you misunderstand the genre, where the genre is going and like how the genre is evolving, because, okay, let's take something that I don't completely understand at all is the whole rap genre. <laughs> I don't understand rap, hip-hop, trap. I don't understand how it has like blown up into all of these sub-genres. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, you know, you have like the whole punk rock, or you have the rock, then the punk rock, and then the post, all this other stuff, the neo, whatever. I like I I don't understand that. And so I do believe, however, you need to understand how this stuff evolves. And even in like at like say a country level, you have the old school country. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You kind of have like new country that's kind of like shiny Brad Paisley, Keith Urban country. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you kind of have the, the new country that's old country. So like the Chris Stapleton, right. like the, the classic Coulter songwriter. Wall, and yeah, like yeah, that's exactly the the classic. It's songwriter. almost like Americana but, country. Yes, but then you also have, but I wouldn't say it's like Americana like folk. I would right. say it's like an evolution of like Hank Williams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like it's like a direct descendant of that in twenty twenty three, and then you have. This genre of country, I actually predicted this genre as a kid. I obviously am a psychic. <laughs> Clearly. I am a direct embodiment of Miss Cleo. You remember those commercials growing up? <laughs> oh, like I three do. in the morning? Yes. She's like, call me now. She got the cards. She's ready to go. Love that I girl. actually think there is a massive lawsuit, which I don't know how you sue like a telephone psychic, <laughs> but... 
<laughs> my bus driver growing up looked like Miss Cleo. It was she couldn't she didn't have any cards though. <laughs> anyway, I like watching this genre evolve. This was like a no-brainer cuz this had to happen. And this is a sub-genre of con- country in my opinion. And so if you ever go out into the absolute middle of nowhere, you have a lot of static radio stations. None of your normal cellular networks work. You have to use like mountain cellular or mm-hmm, whatever mm-hmm. to even make it work. You got you got like the cricket, whatever that thing was. <laughs> and the two radio stations that worked were the hip-hop station and the country station. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man... These two are going to make a merge. And so now you have this like hip-hop country blend as well. Yep. And so I think it's also important to know how all of this blends because obviously you have to cater to each one and know what is important to each genre and subgenre of each genre. Sorry, there's another LaCroix burp. This is going to be gross. I'm not drinking any more LaCroix <laughs> while recording. Um so, Sam, when finding these tones, these tonal characteristics, um, what do you really keep in mind when you are, let's say, embarking? Like you are hearing a song for the first time. You can mm-hmm. only hear it for the first time one time. Mm-hmm. What are you taking in? What are you thinking? Do you have techniques that you gravitate towards? What is happening in the mind of the great Sam Moses? <laughs> <laughs> wow. You're just like turning knobs, being like, man, there's going to be a statue of me on Music Row. One day. Best Brick Award. <laughs> um, is that is that teeing you up yeah, good enough? That's great tee up. I appreciate that. <laughs> okay. I just appreciate you so much. Um, the things I, I pay attention to when I'm thinking about genres is always bass, vocal, relationship, and then kind of top end. Like, what's the top end doing? That's my main like thing because every genre really does have different bass placement, different vocal placement, and different type of top end. And by different type of top end, I mean like could be like rolled off, could be like an 18K boost, like resonant peak kind of thing. Um, could be just like really flat. There could be like artificial sizzle. Um, could be like a really contrasty filter like focusing you in more on like 10K, 8K, 5K, like into the vocal. Um, And then the bass, it's always like, is it kick heavy? Is it bass, like actual bass sub 808 heavy? You know, and is that, what's the extension of it? So you have the feeling of sub, you know, what you feel, and then where is the attack essentially? Um, That's really prevalent like rap, like the 808s. You hear 808s on iPhones. You're not actually obviously hearing the sub, you're hearing the tangible attack, the resonance of it, the distortion of it. Um, and then where is the vocal and what does the vocal sound like? So vocals, like for example, in rap, back in the day, like 90s hip hop, if you go to 90s hip hop, drums are like really, really, really loud. Vocals are kind of rounded off and duddy and just kind of like sit glued in. Like it's very like, boom bappy in the percussive and then you have like a vocal that's sitting like kind of glued in even like some of like the lauren hill stuff there's times where like 
she is so freaking good, but like they just buried her vocal in there. Um, and there's a lot of 90s hip hop stuff, even into the 2000s, where it's kind of hard to hear the vocal and it's almost like, um, like compression wasn't quite being used in a modern way yet. So the vocal kind of floats around and it's not as bright compared to like today's rap, which is like so compressed and like the vocal is usually like extremely bright and extremely upfront and usually has like this almost like distorted top end sound now, which is like kind of Travis Scotty. I feel like Travis Scott really like shaped more so Mike Dean probably shaped shaped the way uh, rap is is created and made. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, like in rap now, a lot of the times the vocal is the star more than like the drums. And the drums used to be the star, even though there's like there's a video of Travis Scott somewhere uh, last few years where he said like drums are the only thing that matters. Like I don't care about nothing else, just the drums make the drums hit hard. But like in all his records, like his vocals the loudest thing. <laughs> like. So the drums hit, the 808s cut really well, um, but his vocal hits hard, which is kind of a weird thing to say, but that's definitely like the star of the show. Um, so yeah, when I go listening to genres or when somebody like sends me things, um, you know, and they'll usually give me some references, that's immediately where I'm paying attention to is like essentially the meat and potatoes, like what's what's the low end doing? What's the top end doing, and where does the vocal fit? Is it is it squished in? Is it back, is it pushed away? Is it in the middle? Does it feel balanced, or is it like way up front? Because usually you can listen almost like a staircase or like a front to back thing, like of where those three things kind of sit. Um, you could even think of just like kick, bass, vocal, snare, um, and how those are presenting themselves. And you need a decent room to hear all this. I think that'll be, of course, something that you know, mastering techniques, specific techniques. I feel like when I was in a less than ideal room, kind of everything sounded the same, even genre to genre. Like they didn't really sound that different. And then as I got into better rooms, got better monitors, full range monitors, especially once, you know, you start sitting in front of barefoots or ATCs or PMCs, something a little more high end, um, even within the genre, even within the same record, you can start hearing differences, which is a really kind of fun place to be in, to be working from a room that you can notice like, oh, it sounds like maybe the vocalist was two inches off the mic. Or I remember the first time I sat in front of like the big barefoots in an old room I used to work in, the Micromains uh, 27s when those first came out, Gen 1s, listening to John Mayer Gravity, I felt like I literally for the first time ever like, I heard a microphone tone, like the tone of the microphone. Um, and that's where I feel like with genres, you can start to, if you're in a good room, which you should strive to be in or have obviously great headphones um, as a master engineer, you can start to take note of even like the tonality, not just placement of where it is, but also the like tonality and characteristic of it. So, let me start with that. That's kind of where I initially go. And within all that, too, I just want to say you have to study records. Like we've said mm-hmm. that so many times. You have to study records, study old records, study new records. Like go to Spotify and just type in a genre and like 80s hip hop, 70s hip hop, 90s hip hop, you know, or country, 80s country. They have all these playlists that are already curated for you of that era. And I found that I spend a ton of time going through the different eras. Um, you know, mo- I love Motown stuff, like 
you know, going through Motown eras, going mm-hmm. through R&B eras, like spend time listening to those records and just seeing what things sound like. And you will notice like drastic shifts in tone and placement of things, um, which probably had a lot to do with the mediums in which they were creating for, um, which is probably a whole other episode, which could be like a fun history lesson sometime. But anyway, that's my opening remarks. Matt, <laughs> what say you? What say me? I would say uh, I'm a bit of a whole package kind of guy. Oh, wow. Talk about that. So when, like I said earlier, you can only listen to a song for the first time once. I mean, that was that was something I think that uh, Brad Blackwood said on one of uh, the really, really earlier episodes when uh, we had him on as a guest. And I believe we dove into that a bit, and I've stolen that from him. And it really, at least to me, holds the first listen a bit sacred because I will put an especially high uh, emphasis on what is happening in my head and how am I reacting to this song at the first listen? Because if something sounds kind of derpy, you might not hear it on a later listen. If you haven't done anything, it might just kind of normalize out. Um, but that first listen, to me, is very critical. And the mental notes that I take are very critical. Um I guess from starting from top to bottom, uh, if anyone's been listening to the podcast for a brief moment, you'll know that I do not really care for a lot of sibilance and a lot of crazy top-end antics, I suppose, in my masters. Um, I will say, however, at every step of the way... I am checking to make sure that my master honors the integrity of the mix. Um, I think that every mastering engineer would say that, um, but that is my goal that I don't necessarily want to go too far away, and if I am going to go a little bit further away, it's it's going to be like a conservative distance far away. It, it has to be... If it's a big change, it has to be something that honors the integrity of the song. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be me taking my own creative direction unless on my checklist as far as expectations and communication, which are two line items, unless the artist, which I have this every now and then, unless the artist just says, like, F it up, then, okay, yeah, we'll go crazy with this one. But if they don't say that, then I am going to try to honor this mix as much as I can. And so uh, if I know they want a lot of like splashiness up top, per their references, I'll leave it alone. Um, But me in general, and I think, I mean, I would say some of the reason why people come to me is because they know they're not going to be listening back to something that's harsh and ripping their head off. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, that's top end. Uh, as far as like high mids, um, I would say it's like 
I don't think we've ever lived in a time when vocal placement has been more important and more intentional. Like, it's always been intentional, but I don't think it's ever been as intentional. And vocals right now, at least to me, they're pretty, and and the majority of genres, all like top 40, whatever, it's all like like front and centered vocal. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you'll have a handful of like when you get into like the indie realm where they'll, I've always called it like even back in like the front of house world, um, I always termed it as like pillowing a vocal. Mm -hmm. I don't really care for it. But I really appreciate when people do it well. Um, and it's essentially you're recessing the vocal back into the mix. And it kind of feels like the mix is giving the vocal a bit of a hug. Yeah. The the vocal doesn't get lost, um, but it just kind of feels like the vocal is literally like laying in the mix. Like it could get lost, but it doesn't. Right. And uh it's like, I don't know, you'll you'll kind of see that and it's like I, I appreciate when people can do that but for the most part um, it seems like people are wanting vocals pretty darn forward if I get something in and the vocal is is kind of pillowed it's more of like an indie kind of a vibe um, I'll probably play around a little bit with leaving it pillowed for the final master or bringing it up. Generally, I'll bring it up, and if they're like, hey, well, the vocal's a little hot, it's like, okay, yeah, let's try it like a DB down or so. And uh, it's nothing that mastery balance really just can't like rock and sound fantastic doing. So um, that's probably my favorite thing with mastery balance is someone can be like, hey, can I send you another mix with a vocal like up or down? And be like, I got this, bro. Don't worry <laughs> about it. And granted, if it's like a really crazy move, um, like the vocal needs to come up and there's like a piano or acoustic guitar or something else in that realm. I don't think Master Mastery Balance does a fantastic job of uh, isolating the vocal, bringing it up or down in small increments. But if you really need it to move, I don't think it's isolating enough to where it's like you're literally just grabbing a vocal fader, turning it up right. or down. Uh, I mean, I had that as recent as yesterday. And I mean, it was totally fine. It's like we worked around it and it was like the client absolutely loved it um it was like i think dragging like either like i said it was either an acoustic guitar or a piano um up or down with it and i mean it's totally cool i mean it's it's saved my butt numerous times and i'm talking about uh the ozone um master rebalance little thing they got going on there but like mids are always like super important and whatnot um or in and I'm sorry vocals in mids as far as like low mids are concerned I would say a lot of I don't know like if I'm going to find something where um a song feels scooped to where like it in like the genre otherwise it would normally not be it's typically going to happen in that low mid yeah and man it is why I love the massive passive it's like if I, I I mean I call it the mid machine and you really only need to use two two bands on it. I mean the low band on it is absolutely delicious too, but it's like for just like the mids, like the low mids and the high mids, it is so darn tasty. Um it's like whether it's at like five sixty or eight twenty, what's the one? Uh I never really go to two seventy, three ninety? I don't Yeah, it's like three ninety is about as probably as low as I'll go. 
but it just and just like super wide and you just kind of like open it up a little bit and it's like <gasps> there that was <laughs> and it's so nice um yeah and then the low end low end is something that i know some people will if they if if something is non-existent as in the producer mix engineer was unable to really let's say monitor that low their monitoring situation there's no sub and like the roll off on their monitors is like 60 or 50 honestly i mean without like cranking things um and like really kind of getting like the woofer cone moving to which i don't really know at that point like what's distortion and what's like trustable low end mm-hmm. um and then you hear it on your system and you're like yeah it really wasn't there um just because it and it's it just falls under that whole notion of you know if you could hear it the way that I'm hearing it you probably wouldn't have done it this way yeah because this isn't really how people make music this is just in general it, it's it's like an it's a semi honest mistake um I won't rebuild low end I'll try to emphasize areas I love uh I love certain tools um to try to bring that and give it like a little bit more punch or whatnot. Uh but I mean if it's just not there it's just not there and I mean that's just, you know, kind of what it is. Um but I will say like I had something today where it's like the initial impression and it's kind of like southern rock meets classic rock mm-hmm. and it's like kind of grimy, kind of grungy. And I don't really understand why there's so much low end just because it extends all the way down into like the infrasonic range. Yeah. And it kind of is getting me into like interesting shelving situations. And it's like, should I do this? Should I do that? And it's like, we kind of need this to like roll off at like a normal place. At least that's my, my gut. And I, I actually had you come into my head earlier today. And when you said in, I can't remember what episode it was. But you said that you'll actually like boost into like some of those crazy things that people do. Yes. And it's like, man, if it like made it this far and this is what they want, right. then sure, let's maybe accentuate it. And so I don't know. I'm just kind of like playing around a little bit. Um, I'll probably end up shelving a little bit, doing a little bit of like a high pass, like yeah, pretty low, but um, I don't know, like 16 hertz, 20 hertz kind of thing, maybe into the 30s. Um, that's kind of how I look at like all those uh, general regions. But I'm really at my core trying to honor the integrity of the mix. Well, sure, let's put a little bit of a polish on it. What is this? Like, is this song actually saying something yeah. that it wants to? Is it saying that it wants to be somewhere where it currently is not? Is it? I, I I don't mean this in like a derogatory way because to a degree, at the mastering stage you are, you could be considered that you are fixing things, and mm-hmm. in some cases you are, um, but that that is not all situations, and in some cases you're or most cases you're really just have you have like a little bit of a sweetening, and then you have like an industry. Uh, loudness, you're you're kind of just bringing stuff up there, and you're like, 
here you go. I know you're going to love it. And uh, send. And then they call you back, and they're like, oh, that sounds great. It's like, oh, cool. I'm really glad you like it. Uh, I can't wait to hear the next one. Um, so that's kind of, I would say, how I view, let's say, this, the frequency spectrum. Uh, my emphasis on like the first listen and really my emphasis, I guess to use that word again, on staying really true to the intention of the mix engineer and producer. Could be the same person. Yeah. Um what say you? So like like do you wanna like scoot into genres for making some stuff punchy for like like as far as like techniques are concerned, or you wanna keep continuing down this path? Uh we can get into techniques for genres. I think since it's the title of the episode, we probably <laughs> should yes. to a degree. Um, so let's start where you're most comfortable. You kind of live in the hip hop world, in yeah, the pop, pop world, like pop top forty, which has a lot of hip hop. Yeah, it's. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, low end is so crucial. Like, I will rebuild somebody's low end without thinking about it if it's not there, if it's not hitting right. <laughs> you are one of the people I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, I know. Like, I will rebuild it with our base, which is one of my favorite things, or even two R bases. Um, I will rebuild it with um, dynamic EQ, saturation, uh, BX, Brainworks makes a, it's called Loud or Thump or something. It's an old plug-in. Anything transient designing that I can grab low-end, um, OTT expansion, anything to make the bottom end start grooving to, I'll say, the vibe of the song. Especially like a lot of people struggle with bottom end. Um, and I feel like a lot of people come to me because I do a good job with low end. And um, it's because I rebuild it a lot of times or I enhance like crazy what's there. And it doesn't mean that what they did was wrong. Either I really don't view myself. My mastering approach is never like repair, even though I'm talking about rebuilding. Um, I always find you literally have a tool belt belt on yeah, your waist right now. Yeah, people sometimes when they get their master back are like, "Wow, this is like, you know, beyond what I thought it could be." You know, is there something wrong with the mix, or like you took it to where I want? And it's I always try to help people understand that if you are loving the master, it's because it was all there. Like I didn't add, you know, a new bass part <laughs> or anything like <laughs> what you're, you know, sometimes I have added a kick sample here and there, uh, true confessions. But, um, you know, it's overall what you're hearing is what they provided me and I've just boosted it even more and tried to pick out, you know, what I thought they wanted the song to do based on context and where they want to go. But yeah, bass, bass is huge. It's got to be, Nice and full, not too boomy, and then it's got to cut. It's got to translate on smaller speakers. So that gets into like how I'll approach probably like vocals because the the kick and the eight hundred eight attack that often lives in that vocal range as well, like that up to one k to five k, like the beater head of the kick. So I start to pay attention quickly within you know pop or Christian or country rap, whatever kind of has that top forty sound, which to me is is for the last number of years, it's heavy compression, so it's very loud. 
meaning like more loud more often. It's it leans that way instead of dynamic, like more dynamic. So I'm talking about like negative four dynamic range, negative five dynamic range, negative six dynamic range. Um, records have lived there in the top forty for the last three to four years. Um, you'll have the occasional record that's a bit louder. Um, you'll have the occasional record that's a bit more like a maybe like a Bruno Mars record that leans a hair more dynamic into the eights. Um, but that's more of like you know a funk record or a pop funk record. It's it's once again that's genre based. That's part of the approach is um, kind of like a funk pop or R and B record. Um, is going to lean a bit more open, open, I almost said opioid, open and punchy. Yeah, where's my brain? Um, Open and punchy, and the space is really part of the vibe of that song um, or that genre. Um, But for the most part, uh, a lot of the listeners work in similar genres or want to that I do, and you'll want to focus a lot on making things loud and still have movement. Um, which we've talked about kind of how to do that in other episodes, but definitely always pay attention to the bottom end. If you're listening and you don't have a full range monitor set up, um, you need to get one. Like you need to invest in that, save up, finance. I would even say finance it. If you're serious about doing this, you need to hear, you know, into the 30s. And um, it's just so hard to make great records and make decisions when you can't hear everything. You're just, you're working with your hands tied and it's it's unfair to yourself. Um, you'll just be frustrated your whole career or attempt to have a career, most likely. Um, so invest in that, but pay attention to the bottom end. I always approach it of how can I make the bottom end bigger without overpowering um, the rest of the song. And then moving to the vocal, like the vocal is pretty much always the star as well, you know, or it's either first or second, depending. And with pop, you know, in top 40, the vocal usually is the star and rap, the vocal is usually the star. So that's usually sitting, maybe not as loud as the bottom end, but it's perceived as loud. So the bottom end's probably thumping as far as taking up voltage and even on like an analyzer, like the bottom end's eating up the most headroom. Um, but then the vocal is going to be sitting somewhere on top of that. So I spend a lot of time on making sure that vocal is poking out more than glued in. So mm-hmm. I'll do things, anything from, you know, Oxford Limiter has the enhance button or enhance fader that can make a vocal pop up. You can do multiband saturation or compression between 1K and 5K, you know, a couple dB of that, and then make up the gain, and the vocal will glue in and pop up more. Um, you know, I've talked about dopamine overloud plug-in is basically a... Uh, a real harmonic uh, exciter that's working off the actual material there as opposed to new, like creating fake digital artifacts or harmonics. That's a great one. Um, You could, like Matt said, with Isotope, um, use Mastery Balance if you just strictly want to try and boost the vocal. Um, You know, Up, that is a great tool. Um, I really like to do, if I really need the vocal to... Um, stand out. I love mid-side EQ. Like, I don't do a lot of side. I don't do side manipulation, but I like mid-manipulation for vocals. Um, You know, anything between 1K and 5K, even 600 hertz in the the center can be a very powerful move um, to get the vocal to be fat, to to stand out, to hold its own. 
Um, 600 hertz is a frequency I really like. Uh, the massive passive, I think it's like 560. I'd have to look here. Hang on. Looking, looking, looking. 560 and 680. 560 and 680 are the two. I have the option on different bands. But 600 hertz is an amazing spot in the mid, in the mono range, or the mid range, sorry. Um, sorry, the mid channel. 600 hertz is great for vocal body density. You know, I, I think of it almost like authority, like it takes charge um, mm. in that, right at that 600 hertz spot. You know, a dB of that goes a long way for mm. vocals and then the top end of the vocal. Um, you know, that sparkle that gets into how does the top end sound because the top end of the vocal and sibilance and kind of that air will live in the top end. So you have to pay attention. Is it rolled off? Is it, you know, is it really heavily focused on a specific spot? Um, but for top end, you know, air bands, anything that's 12K and above, you know, you can you can make stuff feel sparkly, expensive, silky. Um, you got to be careful not to get too artificial sounding because then it'll start to sound harsh. It also can make your low end feel like it's not hitting anymore. So there's a, a delicate balance. But for what I do, it's always, you know, making sure that vocal's sticking out more than you know, glued in. I would say probably every master I do, just because of the level we get to, the vocal is always louder. It's never mm-hmm. less loud. Um, you know, just stick a limiter on a song, take a few dB off, the vocal's probably going to get louder just by the way like limiters work. Um, so I never deliver something where the vocal feels quieter. Um, and I don't know if I've like had, I don't want to say ever, but like I can't remember where someone has told me, hey, the vocal feels too loud. Like, I cannot remember getting feedback like that for years. You know, I've had a few people who will tell me, hey, the vocal feels a bit quiet, you know, or like maybe we lost it. And that's, when I go back to the mix, I'm usually like, well, it's kind of buried and I already brought it out. And that's not a problem. I just like emphasize more of how I know how to get the vocal out. But I rarely, I can't, I cannot remember the last time someone said, hey, can you tuck the vocal in or it feels like the vocal's too loud? Um, so yeah, so the vocal usually comes back louder, the bass is usually thumping more. Um, and then there's usually a top end, um, you know, paying attention to that. For what I do with top end, it's usually it's usually bright and sparkly. Like that's kind of the genres I work in more than like rounded off, you know. Um, so that's usually a shelf or an exciter or something like that. But You've got to you got to get the foundation right with the low end. A lot of the mm-hmm. song will figure itself out. Then heavily focus on that vocal. You know, make sure it's sitting on top of things, and then the top end. You know, mess around with different exciters and shelves. But that's kind of how I approach the genres I work in. Um, so, Matt, what do you think about your approach? I would definitely say I'm more as far as like top end. I'm definitely more of like a round off kind of yeah kind of person. Not like intentionally of like I'm like sitting here like dropping the low pass to like six <laughs> k. I'm not doing that, but I mean it's also like a lot of the genres I'm in. Like there's some jokes that go back and forth of like someone will tell me it's like their mix has like 
I don't know, like 20 tape machines on it. They're like using a tape <laughs> machine on every channel or something. And uh, I mean, that's totally cool. I mean, that's the stuff that I really like. And I was like, <laughs> it's at a point where it's like, maybe you should get a tape machine. Right. <laughs> you might like it. Um, so, I mean, that's that's like a lot of the a lot of the stuff I work on. And one of the interesting things, kind of to your vocal notion, I had something that I sent off that I 100% was like, after I sent it off, I was like, man, is the vocal too loud? I don't know if the vocal's too loud. I don't know. <laughs> but then it's like going to the artist who sang it, and it's like, they're not going to say the vocal's too loud. They're going to love more of the right. vocal. And I was 100% ready to get uh, that type of revision. And it was probably the loudest I've like separated a vocal from a, from a mix, but it just kind of sounded right. And then like listening back, I'm not saying I was like, I was doubting what I did, but I was like, man, if I get a revision, it's going to be for that. Right. Um, but it's just like kind of where in the studio, I was like, yeah, this is where I think this should live. Right. And uh, no, they loved it. They they absolutely loved it. They ate it up. Um, one thing though, I'll, I'll, I have a lot of mixes come in where the vocal is screaming hot. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll act, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast Um Stop me if I have, but I'll actually take master rebalance and I will turn a vocal down. Not crazy, but I'll turn it down as I'm kind of going like like about like the level of like the other instruments uh, as I'm kind of going through the chain. And so everything as like, and I mean, as people know, it's like as it's going through like compression and then any type of limiting that's happening if you're going to be... um clipping a converter, which, I mean, you know, on occasion, I might clip a converter or three, and I don't know, I only clip one converter. I thought that was a cooler joke than it was. Anyway, um, I don't want that vocal to just be, like, demolished by really any of that, because that's going to, like, sure, you might have the low end that would hit something first, but very quickly after that, the vocal's going to kind of get sucked into it, and it could potentially pump the vocal. Mm-hmm. And so I'll actually go into a bit of preservation mode pre-analog or if we're staying digital, uh, pre-other you know other plugins, I suppose. And I'll turn that down just to make sure that we're not really going to be losing anything. Um, if it is screaming loud and maybe there wasn't enough compression applied to the vocal, maybe I'll leave it alone in that instance. Um and I don't know, I've, I've liked that. And then so like post-print, let's say, I'll bring it back up to where I would say a tasteful level will be and I'll compare that to the level by which I dropped it. So if I dropped it by 2 dB, which is significant, um, and then like afterwards, I'm like, ah, eh, 1.5 is kind of where this thing's liking to live. 2 is a little pokey. And so like, I'll just I might go back and forth and be like, eh, let's let's compromise, like split it in half or something, and call it one point seven, and we'll call it a day. Um, and that might just be where it sits. Um, so I'm not that's not unheard of for me to do that, and that's really just to kind of preserve. And so like nothing's gonna be the vocal's not going to be reacting to other things that are happening as far as analog is concerned. And I think that's just kind of like a notion of gain staging. Yeah. Um, so 
I mean, that's that's something I do. Um, let's see. It's like I don't know. You kind of get into like indie things, and indie's like such like a broad thing. It's like you could have something that's like super washy. And I don't really know how to describe washy, but I feel like if I say washy, people will kind of get what I'm saying. Right. No, that's a good word. And and it's like, I don't know, it's like, do we kind of go more of like a transformery kind of a route? Do we go like the manly route as opposed to not like manly as in like, oh, but like <laughs> like manly like as in like the audio company? <laughs> and I'm like, All right, put your hatch away, Matt. Um, as opposed to like going the pop route and the pop route may barely touch a a tube it might i mean well some of the some of the stuff and so like people i'm like kind of going all over with my head and my mouth and my brain and it's all right um recently with pop because you have such an interesting low end element and i'm imagining you're doing a little bit more uh, taming and toning with that better maker limiter mm-hmm. you have. Mm-hmm. What I'm doing is if I go out of the box for pop, I'm generally, if I want character or texture, I will go through both my manly, very mute, and massive passive if it needs it. Um, I really like the very mute, no compression or anything. Uh, and if I don't want too much tone to change, I might just pass through the massive passive with like 0.5 dB. So it's like we're getting some of that transformer vibe um, and a, like a little bit of bloom, but not a lot. But it's like a little bit of character. Mm-hmm. But everything is just really – everything that has to happen for me in the pop realm in the analog to me is all around like the vocal and the top end. It's like everything involving the low end – I can deal with that back in the digital because I don't want anything characteristically tona- tonally happening that's too nutso that that analog can really do. And it's like if stuff doesn't really need rounded off, then I'm going to print super low. I'm not going to hit a converter. And I'm going to get punchier. I'm going to get faster. I'm going to get everything that I want uh, back in the digital, but if we want that little bit of texture on the top end, um, a little bit of sizzle, a little bit of you know, a little magic juju, um, I can do that pretty well with like before even coming close to clipping a converter. Um, so if I did have a better maker, I'd probably toy with that a touch, but I'm probably not going to get one. Um, I mean, if I do want to get, like, super thwacky with something, um, I mean, the API 2500 is fantastic. Only if the mix can survive the tone of the 2500 because there's, like, a top-end thing Mm -hmm. that happens with it. Like, you get the punch, but you also have this, like, top-end. And if it's already, like, ripping your head off on the top-end, then it's, like, the 2500 is kind of, like, you know, out for the count. Um, so, I don't know, it's like, the the funny thing is, is like, yeah, you have these techniques, but it's not like, oh yeah, we're going to get a pop song, so we're going to be doing this. Oh, it's going to be an R&B song, so we're doing this. By the way, I love R&B. 
I don't know why. Growing up, I hated R&B. I used to work in this uh, showroom for my dad's company, um, or the company he used to be the engineer for. And uh, I would help out the guy who would be... Uh, He'd be my my dad was in the was in the lighting business, and I'd be helping out this guy hanging up light fixtures in the showroom, and it's where people where buyers would come in and they'd like ooh and ah over these fixtures and uh, uh, essentially where deals were made. And so it's like it had to be really nice looking and everything. And I worked with this guy Horace Smalls, and Horace loved R and B, and I I don't know wherever he is, I hope he's he's doing well, but. Um, I could not stand it. I hated R&B and all that stuff. And man, I have made a 180. And this is, I don't know, maybe in the last like nine, 10 years or so. It's like, I love working on R&B music. I think it's, I think it's one of the most fun genres to work on. Um, but it's like, I don't know, you get that and it's like, all right, yeah. It's like, let's like, it's going to be a little bit round and we're going to, like we're gonna warm it up, and we're gonna make sure everything that needs to kick is kicking. We're gonna make sure that vocal's super creamy. And uh, I mean, if it's like one of those music videos that's in the rain, I mean, you got to make it rain in the master. So <laughs> <laughs> that's every '90s R&B mm-hmm. music video is like someone's just like crying in the rain. Yeah. Uh, what a wild genre. I I I love it. Um. So I don't know. It's like. I feel like with this gear, it's all so darn versatile. It's like you can even like break the rules with a lot of it. And the, for the most part, like all of it's so darn forgiving that, I mean, I don't, I don't think I've run most of it without a red light on <laughs> somewhere. So I don't know. I, I, just, I just have a fun time with all of it. Um, and there's rarely a vibe today that I can't get. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Oh, it's kind of been like a fun little Swiss Army knife to build, I suppose. So, Sam, what else do you have for the people? I think that's about it. It's been a pretty, I'd say a pretty fun episode. Yeah. Yeah, there's, I guess I would just say real quick, like, there is no rule. So, you know, whatever you said, yeah. at least whatever I said, take it with a grain of salt. Like, it's not always the answer, but there's definitely, you know, Study the music, study old records, study the new records, and then focus on a few things. Like take note of where things live in the low end, the vocal, and the top end, and you'll be well on your way to making great records. Yeah, and I would also say like, as far as genres are concerned, like when it seems like a genre is heading in a certain way, I would say don't be afraid to really break the rules of that genre. Like, generally, the mix will tell you if they're intending to, yeah, like, dabble in a space and kind of go in a bit of a different direction. I mean, one of my favorite records that I always bring up is the Chris Stapleton Traveler record. It's like, that record is, like, super quiet. It's nothing really going crazy. And I think I watched a video where they essentially were like, yeah, we don't want a limiter hit. We don't want a converter hit or anything on this. And I mean, I th- like to me, it's one of like, like it has like a tone and all that stuff, but it's like one of like the best sounding records and just a really fun record to me. And I think as far as like the, like the, the track that like 
as a genre country was taking, I feel like it really went in a different direction and it really had an audience that just missed that type of, of vibe. So I'd say don't be afraid to break the rules. Um, as far as the loudness war and all that stuff, this isn't a podcast on loudness right now, but I would say the loudness war has been over for a while. I think as in, as far as genre is concerned, I think there are just places that like certain music and certain genres like to live. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't think there's... So long as like the production and the mix and everything can make it, it's like there's nothing wrong with like something that's screaming loud. It's like... Everyone's like, oh, there's a war, there's a war, there's a war. And it's like less and less today, but it's like you literally can only go to freaking zero, zero. There's not a war. You can only ever be so loud. And it's, it really comes down to production value and everything. But like like Sam was saying, like understand where stuff is replaying at. And it's like understand. It's like if something needs to just hang out at like, I don't know, minus – Eight minus nine. It's like it's not. A, it's it's not. And this is RMS. It's not the absolute end of the world. But it's like also no. It's like if you have like I don't know, like a CCM client. Like generally, that music is like four, five. Mm-hmm. I mean, into the mm-hmm. threes. And so it's like just like kind of. It's kind of like public speaking. It's like you know, know who you're talking to. Like yeah. know your audience. And it's like, know what they're going to be expecting. This is sounding like, you know, your standard CCM song. Then it's like, they might like, and that's where their references are hanging out. Then it's like, just be under the assumption that this is where this is going to go. And this is where this needs to go in order to, I don't know. And I don't even want to like say in that whole world of like, competing against other Christian music because that kind of sounds weird, but it's like to a degree, it's like that is the mindset, Mm -hmm. I suppose, and kind of, I don't want to say the heart behind that, but it's like there is a general notion of like, it doesn't need to be louder, but I think it needs to kind of live within the acceptable like range Mm -hmm. of where that genre is living. And so um, I think I'm going to leave that there. Um, as far as loudness is concerned. But once again, don't be afraid to break the rules. I don't think there's any, like, no one ever, like, had the most popular song because it's like, oh, my God, can you hear how loud it is? Right. <laughs> I can't believe how loud this is. Number one on the charts, 12 weeks in a row. This just Stan Mac Garber just made a song at zero, zero. <laughs> Holy cow, we didn't even know this was possible. <laughs> break out the Grammy. Yeah, it's like... No one, no one, no one got an award for having the loudest song. So, um, anyway, I say we take this home. Wrap us up, Matt. <laughs> Sam, do you want to do the outro? No, definitely not. All right. If you hear the sweet music you end up in the background, that was made by the one and only Sam Moses. If you wouldn't mind telling him a big old thank you, I would, I would at least appreciate it. Uh, it's kind of more of a continuation of my appreciation for. And making these sound as awesome as it does and it's my goal in these times to make his face completely red beat red with how much of an accolade i'm giving him mm-hmm. so thank you very much um so yeah all the music is like, never repeating it's always fantastic he makes it all himself we don't buy it no um, we 
You have done 150 of these as of, as of this point. Um, if you wouldn't mind leaving us some reviews, some likes, some thumbs up, some stars, wherever you are, that would be awesome. Comments and reviews, that's great. Shoot us an email, tell us what you like, shoot us a DM. Take a screenshot of this moment right now and post it to Instagram, to Facebook. Let your grandma know. Facebook's where grandmas live and go ahead and let her know you like the Attack and Release show. You're attacking what now? <laughs> Uh, let's see what else. If you need a mastering engineer, Sam can be found at Moses Mastering. I can be found at For the Record Mastering. We'd both love to love your songs and take them across the finish line. So give one of us give one of us a shout. Let's see what else. I think that's it. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else? I'm good. Morning, afternoon, evening, whatever y'all are having. Have a good one. Is that one going to be low and boomy like the one in the front? Have a good one. Yeah. This is good. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah. Morning, afternoon, even. Whatever y'all are having, have a good one. Uh, spay and new to your pets. Thanks, Bob Barker. Uh, see y'all in the next episode. <laughs> Cue the music. Yay! Yeah.